you ever feel like you try really hard to do the right thing, maybe at work or in relationships, and instead of a simple thank you, you get what feels like a punch in the face? Even spiritually, we try hard to do the right thing and live a good life, and sometimes it seems like the thanks we get is sent as pain and hardship or suffering. It's actually pretty common to feel like God isn't giving us the blessing that we deserve, but it is not the whole story, and our journey does not end with a punch in the face. So don't fade away. Don't give up in times of adversity. It could lead to the biggest blessing of all. That's today on the podcast. Hey, it's Marisa from the Tower Hill production team. Thank you so much for listening into our Tower Hill podcast. Whenever or wherever you're listening, we hope this podcast blesses you. And we hope that you feel free to share it with someone that you know so that they'll feel blessed too. We are nearly finished with our summer series, On the Road Again, Finding God in the Unexpected Journeys. But we're not quite done yet. And today, Pastor Jason is going to lead us down another road to look at a lesser-known character of the Bible who feels a very well-known emotion. Obadiah is his name, and his reaction may surprise you. So let's check it out right now. You may have recognized that video. That uh, that went viral back in 2013, and I had reached out to the owners of the video to ask if we could use it for worship sometimes, and they said, absolutely, hope that it helps you in whatever you're doing. But... I I love that video because there's something very primal and and innocent about about experiencing that rain and kind of like God's blessing, experiencing the blessing of God. And I love that idea of just for the first time experiencing it and what that feels like. And some of you, you had that experience of faith where you come to faith and it's like, wow, and you're, you're amazed at everything God is doing. And then what happens? Well, over time, you see it rain again. And again, and again, and maybe it feels a little less special each time until now you do everything you can to cover yourself from the rain. Today we're talking a little bit about the spiritual equivalent of that. As we are almost done with this sermon, this has been an epic series. We've gone, this is the 11th week of the series. I mean, this is like massive. This is the second longest one we've ever done. But we thought it would be fun throughout the summer to talk about stories. If you notice in all the stories that we chose are stories where God is meeting people literally on the road. And we talk about how God shows up in life's unexpected journeys in a big way. In fact, I would say it's the unexpected journeys that mean the most. It's the unexpected journeys that grow us and shape us and make us who we are and contain some of the biggest blessings of our life. But what happens When we get so used to the rain that we actually start to avoid it. What happens? Well, what once we considered to be a blessing now feels like a little bit of a burden. What happens when we start letting bitterness creep in to our journey? Bitterness maybe against God. Maybe God's not giving us what we think we deserve. It's a very real emotion that we face, and I think we have to know how to face it. So when I was young, my mother used to do this to me when she'd get really mad, I mean like really mad. And of course, that rarely happened because I was such a perfect angel. <laughs> the, but sometimes she gets so mad that she would say, Jason, I was in labor 24 hours with you. I cook for you, I clean, I do the laundry. I make your peanut butter and jelly sandwiches every day, 
And this is the thanks I get. How many of you had a mom that ever said that? Okay. And this is the thanks I get, which was code for, I deserve better than this from you. I deserve better than this. The thing is, I think there's a spiritual version of this that we project onto God sometimes. And it's something like, hey, I live a good life. I never killed anyone. I love how that's the bar. I never killed. Like, there's a lot from that, right? There's a lot that can happen in that, but that's the bar. I never killed anyone. I try to live I try to live a good life. I try to live a life of faith. I'm decent to people. I have integrity. I don't cheat on my taxes. And this is the thanks I get. It feels like I deserve something better than this. But, but I'm getting another challenge here. Wait a minute. I thought I was supposed to get rewarded for my good behavior. And it seems like my good be- behavior is having no result. This is the thanks I get. I think this is particularly uh, dangerous for uh, Christians who've been a Christian for a long time. Because when you're brand new to the faith, you already get that you don't deserve, you've been handed everything. You, you've received God's grace fully. But the longer you've been living in this life, the more, let's say, entitled you start to feel about your behavior and what you think you deserve for it. It's always fun to pick on Christians, right? But listen, we get picked on because we deserve it. That's what we deserve. Because our behavior does not always match what we say we believe. I do all this for you, and this is the thanks I get. Of course, as you know, I think in movies. So the first movie I thought of was It's a Wonderful Life. Frank Capra, classic, 1946. Jimmy Stewart as George Bailey. If you have not seen It's a Wonderful Life for some reason... We're going to have a special prayer service at the end of this because you've had a really rough go of it. So it's a wonderful life. Classic movie. Every year you at least watch part of it, if not the whole thing. But the moment, remember George Bailey, played by Jimmy Stewart. George Bailey, beautifully acted moment where he goes, he's at the end of his rope. He's in trouble. He's crying out to God. God... And he even says something like, I'm not a praying man, but if you're up there, help. And the thing is, he was in trouble over something that wasn't even his fault. It was like his crazy uncle lost the money, and he takes the blame for it because he was a good person, man of integrity. Do you remember what happens next? So he prays, and he's like all desperate, and then he goes into a bar, like probably not the best decision. (laughs) He He goes into a bar, And the teacher that he insulted earlier in the day, her husband's at the bar, because that's what everyone did, I guess, and he socks him in the mouth. And so then he's got like a bloody mouth, and we got a picture of that, right? He gets, go ahead, go to the next one. Yeah. And then his response was, that's what I get for praying. (laughs) And it it seems ridiculous in the movie, and we, as the audience, were like, no, 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 that's not what you get for praying, that's because you were awful to that man's wife and you got punched in the mouth for it. But I do think there's something true about this emotion that, that we harbor sometimes. It's like we expect a different outcome 
We, pray, we cry out to God or we, we're praying for what we hope for and instead it feels like we're getting a punch in the mouth. And we're just like, that's what we get for praying. Like, God, I don't know why I bothered to listen to you for this long because it's obviously a waste of time. I'm not getting what I think I deserve from you. I know you've never felt like this, but just in case, we're going to keep going. <laughs> the thing is, we Christians are notorious for harboring these kinds of feelings. I'm a good person, I try to do the right thing, and this is the thanks I get. So what happens, though, when our journey, what happens to our journey when God doesn't give us what we think we deserve? What happens when that bitterness starts to creep in and it starts to show up in our life. What happens? I think it's so important to talk about it. If you've been coming for a while, you just know this about me. I want to talk about our real feelings. I don't just want to play church and go home. That's a waste of everyone's time. And when I give these sermons to you, I hope you know I'm giving them to me. My sermon process is I hear what the Lord's saying to me and then I just share what he's telling me. For you. So what happens to our journey when God doesn't give us what we think we deserve? There's a wonderful story in the Old Testament I want to share with you that really brings this point up in a big way. And it happens during the time of the prophet Elijah. So going way back, if you don't know anything about Elijah or what was going on, let me set the stage. Elijah was a prophet who basically, the nation of Israel back then, uh, there were kings over the nation, and this particular king was really bad. So bad that in uh, 1 Kings 16.30, it says, Ahab, who is the king, Ahab, son of Omri, did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. Now, if you've ever read about the Old Testament kings, you know that was saying something. And the big thing that he did wrong was, basically, he, he said, okay, God of Israel... We're going to cast you aside, and we're going to start to worship this other pagan god called Baal. You've heard it pronounced differently, maybe. Baal, Baal. I think the actual way is Baal. We don't say that ever, so we'll just say Baal for today. But the idea is Baal can refer to many different pagan gods in antiquity, but in Elijah's time referred to the weather god who brought or denied rain. And so as the king goes, so does the people. So do the people. And, uh, and, and what happened was God, the one true God, Israel's God, said, okay, let me prove it to you that this Baal character is a fake and I am actually God. So I'm going to deny the rain. And when you turn your hearts back to me, I'm going to have it rain again. No amount of praying to Baal is going to do anything. So we're in the middle of this three-year drought. How did God deliver the news? Well, he used Elijah the prophet, so naturally Elijah is blamed. King Ahab's trying to kill Elijah. And this is where we enter the story. But we're actually not really going to talk much about Elijah. We're going to talk about this seemingly random two or three line character named Obadiah. Here we go into the story. After a long time in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Go and present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the land. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. So this is the end. This is about ready to finish up. 
Now the famine was severe in Samaria, and Ahab had summoned Obadiah, his palace administrator. Obadiah was a devout believer in the Lord. This is interesting because I feel like for a lot of you who have jobs in the marketplace and not in the church, you might feel like you're sometimes working for the evil empire. Sometimes you get that feeling. You're like, I don't know if the company that I'm working for is in the best interest of the people at least a lot of the time. And that's a struggle that you have. But I think this is an encouragement. Obadiah, even in the midst of this regime, he managed to find a way to be faithful. I think that's all of our call as we go about our work. While Jezebel was killing off the Lord's prophets, Obadiah had taken a hundred prophets and hidden them in two caves, fifty in each, and had supplied them with food and water. Ahab had said to Obadiah, go through the land to all the springs and valleys. Maybe we can find some grass to keep the horses and mules alive so we will not have to kill any of our animals. So he divided the land they were to cover, Ahab going in one direction and Obadiah in another. So they're trying to problem solve the famine. It, it was severe. The drought had been going on. They're trying to find grass for the animals. They split up, leaving Obadiah by himself. As Obadiah was walking along, Elijah met him. Obadiah recognized him, bowed down to the ground, and said, Is it really you, my lord Elijah? Yes, he replied. Go tell your master Elijah is here. Watch this reaction. What have I done wrong, asked Obadiah, that you are handing your servant over to Ahab to be put to death? As surely as the Lord your God lives, there is not a nation or kingdom where my master has not sent someone to look for you. And whenever a nation or kingdom claimed you were not there, he made them swear they could not find you. But now you tell me to go to my master and say Elijah is here. I don't know where the spirit of the Lord may carry you when I leave you. <laughs> it's almost like, I don't know who you think you are. If I go and tell Ahab and he doesn't find you, he will kill me. Yet I, your servant, have worshipped the Lord since my youth. Haven't you heard, my Lord, what I did while Jezebel was killing the prophets of the Lord? I hid a hundred of the Lord's prophets in two caves, fifty in each, and supplied them with food and water. And now you tell me to go to my master and say, Elijah is here. He will kill me. Elijah said, as the Lord Almighty lives whom I serve, I will surely present myself to Ahab today. Like, you can trust that this is what's going to happen. But can you hear in Obadiah's words, they are dripping with, this is the thanks I get? I don't know if God's been keeping track, so let me update you. I have been good the whole time. I have been faithful. I'm the one who saved all those prophets. Remember that? Maybe you forgot. And this is the thing. You're telling me now to put my life on the line again? This is the thanks I get? It's like, I'm expecting blessing. Instead, I feel like I just got punched in the mouth. That's what I get for praying. That's what I get for following God. Another punch in the mouth. Thanks. Maybe you could identify with that a little bit. The code, of course, is Obadiah saying, I deserve better than this. Why would God do this to me? 
Now, in this moment, Obadiah could have bailed. He could have said, I'm out. That's it. I've had enough. And sadly, I'll say this. This is where a lot of Christians bail out. Something happens, and they feel like it was one thing too much. And they say, I'm out. And sometimes they'll leave never to come back. Sometimes they'll go and for years not think about God at all and, and come back. But that's where a lot of people kind of tap out. They're like, you know, I'm done. This isn't what I think I deserve. Why would God do this to me? Now the next verse it's kind of like, it feels like a throwaway verse. It feels like if we were reading it, we wouldn't pay any attention to it. But read what it says. It says a lot and very little. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab. What did I say? Well, he got over whatever it was, and he actually did what he was supposed to do. He, was, he got over his fear. Now, did he go to Ahab begrudgingly? I'm guessing, yeah. Maybe even with some anger, a little bitterness. I don't know, probably. But he was willing to push through that to double down on his faith. He was willing to push through that to make sure he said yes to God, even though it felt like a punch in the mouth. That is a lot of faith. Now watch what happens. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. That's kind of it. It was a big non-event. Obadiah is even mentioned again in this story. In other words, he was all worked up that something horrible was going to happen, and God was asking him to do something horrible, and it was a big nothing. I'm sure that's never happened to you, but there have been some times where that's happened to me, where I felt like I had myself all worked up, and, oh, God, how can you do this to me? And, and it's all about my fear that is paralyzing my faith. It's all about my fear that's getting in the way and sending me off the rails. And it's not even reality. It's a punch that isn't even coming. But I think it is. Now watch how this story plays out. When he saw Elijah, he said to him, is that you, you troubler of Israel? I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied, but you and your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's commands and have followed the Baals. Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. And then this whole thing, if you remember anything from, uh, from Sunday school or maybe you heard this story before, the whole thing ends in this big fiery showdown. And the idea is... On top of Mount Carmel, they had two different sacrifices with wood underneath them. And the idea was, whichever one's the real God will light the sacrifice with fire. And so the prophets of Baal go first, and they're trying to light the fire, and it doesn't light. And Elijah's like talking smack to him the whole time, and it's awesome. It's, it's, it's a really, it really is. Oh, where's your God now? Maybe you got to shout louder. It's so good. It's so good. So it doesn't catch, and then, and then he, and then, 
the Elijah's sacrifice, then they're like, well, wait a second. It's been a drought. This thing could just go up by itself. I mean, like, that's no proof that it's from God. So they have him drench the firewood in water several times until there was so much water, there was no doubt it was drenched. And then God brings the fire, and it's really dramatic and awesome. But the most dramatic and awesome thing was that now all the people of Israel said, oh, Ahab was wrong. He never should have told us that. That really is our God. Let's all turn our hearts and follow him. And then God brings the rain upon the land. I had to think that rain felt a little bit like that child receiving the blessing that they were so hungry for. So the rain comes. And I wonder if Obadiah ever had this, if he ever made this connection. Because Obadiah said yes to God, he got to play a role in God's blessing. What felt like a punch in the face was actually for the redemption of an entire nation. Yes, he had a very small part to play, but he played it. Talk about what we think we deserve. Did Obadiah deserve to have a blessing that big? That his very small actions would be part of this massive redemption? It's like it's a wonderful life. We all know that the answer to prayer isn't the punch in the mouth, it's Clarence. <laughs> it's the angel who leads him to redemption to show him that it is a wonderful life. This is a lot like what happens in our lives. When we think that we are entitled to certain things from God and they don't come and then we get all confused and we get all stirred up and mixed up. But maybe this thing that feels like a punch in the mouth now is going to have, is going to end in redemption. And trust me, if it's coming from God, it will one way or another. It will end in redemption, a bigger blessing than you could even imagine. But we don't have that kind of perspective to know going in that if I say yes to this, that that's what's going to happen. And I think what Obadiah teaches us is we should. We should trust that God knows what he's doing more than we do. So what happens when our journey, what happens to our journey when God doesn't give us what we think we deserve? Let me just bring out four quick points from the passage that I think help us kind of tie a bow on this idea. The first is, don't let your fear paralyze your faith. You're going to experience fear. That's what happens. But don't let it just totally paralyze your faith. Trust, trust that you're going to be okay, even in the midst of your fear. Keep moving forward to do what God has called you to do. To be faithful, especially when you're so tired of being faithful. Again, the unexpected journeys are the best ones for us, but we hate them. We like ourselves some expected journeys. <laughs> I want to know everything before it happens. Don't let your fear paralyze your faith. The second is, the whole attitude, this is some tough love I'm going to give you and to me today. The whole attitude of, and this is what I get, is about entitlement, not grace. 
Entitlement's no good. Spiritually speaking, we deserve nothing. And he's given us everything. He laid down his life so that we can live. He never gave us what we deserved. He gives us more than we ever could have deserved. He blesses us more than we ever could have imagined. I'm going to say this. It's going to sound harsh. Grab onto something. No, seriously. The reason a lot of people that you know don't darken the doors of a church is because Christians have behaved badly over a sense of entitlement. That's the kind of garbage that needs to stop. We all know better. It's all grace. It's all God's grace. And the third, like Obadiah, we need to trust anyway, especially when it's hard, to live with the faith that we say we have, to execute what we say we believe. And then fourth, we get to be part of God's plan of redemption, and there is no bigger blessing than that. At least I can't think of one. You almost wonder if we flipped it around, if God ever feels like, hey, I, I laid my life down on the cross for you. I, I blessed you beyond anything you can imagine. I, I've been with you even before you were born. And this is the thanks I get? You know what's funny is he probably doesn't think that way at all. That would be like a human pettiness kind of thing to do. But I wouldn't blame him if he did. I think the answer for us, in part, is to turn around and say, all right, God has blessed me. God has blessed me. I get to be part of God's blessing. This is the thanks I get. Hallelujah, oh man, this is the thanks I get. I get to be a part of what God is doing. Maybe somehow, some way, my small story can contribute to the redemption of many. Maybe my small story can have an impact on God's big story. That would be amazing. Listen, if bitterness or anger or fear have derailed you, have taken you off into a ditch, I just want to encourage you, it is never too late. Maybe today is the day for you to get back on the road again with God.